Cannabis Business Minds, we train and mentor professionals, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs on how to confidently find their place in the legal cannabis and hemp industries. Come on and join us at CannabisBusinessMinds.com. Hello, Cannabis Business Minds, and I hope you're doing well. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the importance of having financial control in your business, surrounding how you deal with customers, how you give customers credit, how you look at your accounts receivable, right? The money that's owed by your customers and how you have better policies and procedures in place for your business so you can become more liquid. This is so important in any business, but especially in a cannabis business. If you're a startup, if you are, you know, revenue generating and just have a little, a little bit of money coming from customers, or if you've been operating for a while, what you're going to hear on this episode with Sam, who specializes in credit collections in a lot of other industries and has been working in cannabis since 2016, are some very practical tips that you can start implementing into your business. Now, we have a Cannabis Business Minds a f- accounting manual that you can also use if you are operating that goes into best practices of how do you set up your customer invoicing? How do you you know, look into your customer acquisition and due diligence process. And Sam also talks a lot about a lot about this on our episode. Why is this important? This is important because as you are growing your business, the people that you decide to sell to, especially if you are a plant touching business, need to have a, a cannabis license, but you need to have a due diligence over your customers. They're not necessarily, they're, hopefully they're your friends, but they're your customers. And you want to have a methodical way of going about finding, you know, finding customers or finding prospects, turning them into customers and having a policy. If you decide to sell to a customer that you've done your due diligence, extending credit is an option. Right? It's not. A, it's it's definitely standard in in many industries, but it is an option. If you are giving somebody seven days to pay, somebody thirty days to pay, somebody ninety days. Well, hopefully you're not doing that. That is a business decision and a business policy. And so as you start listening to this episode, I want you to think about where you are in your business. And if you find that the way that you are invoicing your customers, that you are collecting from your customers is, is going well, or if there's some areas that you can have for improvement. And this episode is all about that. You know, as we go into times where quote unquote, they might be tough and where cash flow is an issue. This is one of the best ways that you can start really focusing in, honing in on, you know, your revenue, your sales and your billing cycle. So get a pen, get a piece of paper. We are definitely going to cover some amazing stuff. Thank you so much. Can't wait for you to leave me some notes and how this is going to help you in your business. We're going to dive deep into something that is very important to your business, and that is all about liquidity for your business. Meaning, well, I don't know how deep we're going to dive into the accounting of it in this episode, but meaning we are going to talk about 
the way that you are invoicing your customers, the way that you are giving credit to your customers, assuming you're not uh, a dispensary, we're talking about everywhere else along the supply chain and the way that you are going to negotiate and how that can impact your business for the better or for the worse. Because one thing is certain is that a lack of cash control has put many companies into bankruptcy. What do we know about the cannabis industry and this competitive space is that you cannot file for bankruptcy, right? So it's important you've already got the risk of working in this space. Let's make sure that you set up the fantastic financial controls, which we'll be talking about with Sam for your business. So get ready, get your notepad, get your paper, and let's get on with this episode. And at first I loved your email. I was like, oh, I have to talk to him. I like love the the outreach email. I was like, yeah, I think it's a big issue for a lot of businesses that are, because to me, a cannabis business, even if you're a multi-state operator, you're still in the startup mode. Like you might have great financial systems because you've got a good team, but in the end, we're kind of still this startup area. And I'm just so excited to get you on to hear what you've seen and to talk about kind of, because you've been in the industry for quite some time and you've watched it evolve. And yeah, so yeah. I, I got involved back in 2016. So, so my company, we've been around for 50 years. We're a global commercial collection agency, uh, you know, private equity backed. And before we were private equity backed and we were a family run business, you know, the two partners, the two brothers on the company, myself, um, you know, one of my friends was very involved in the cannabis market. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he basically came to me and, and knew what I did and said, Hey, are you guys taking a look in the cannabis industry for collections? And, you know, my clients, my traditional clients are Google, FedEx, Staples, you know, Coke, Pepsi, you know, big multinational companies that we've been working with for, for many, many years. And one of my clients is Uline, which is, you know, the large packaging company. And, and they started doing a lot of business in the cannabis market uh, in Canada. Um, and we had a lot of our clients just knocking on our doors and starting to ask about, um, you know, doing business in the space. And we started getting some collections against dispensaries. And, and, and you know, and, and, and this is back in, you know, 2015, 2016. And so I said, you know what? I hate to say for shits and giggles, I'll go and poke my nose around, you know, in this space, um, you know, happen to be someone who, you know, has benefited from the product and the plant for my adult life. And so, um, you know, I thought that it was a, you know, a worthwhile and, and I thought that, okay, like, you know, uh, I got out of college, you know, five years later, .com happened. I built this, I built a .com, took it public. And so I started looking at this, like the .com sort of uh, market, we had all these emerging businesses where you had these really you know smart people a lot of them were artistic and they've got you know these great things you know whether it's a cultivation whether it's a manufacturing whatever it is they've got this great idea and they now have a place to bring it to the market in, in a legal way but most of them had no idea how to run a business you know like I'll give you an example my sister is a high-end custom jeweler in New York City my sister can create the most gorgeous you know, jewelry that she could sell for $100,000, but she can't manage a checkbook, right? And so therefore, you know, her husband runs her business and he comes out of the film industry, right? And so, you know, you know, and, and that's what you see in the cannabis market, you know, is it, not people who have detailed financial backgrounds, you know, not someone who, you know, has an MBA and is sitting there looking at financial risk and, and, and things like that. They were people trying to sell product. Right. And yeah. sell, 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 worry about getting paid later. And because of cannabis, it was a cash market. 
right? And that was the first thing that I, looked, I learned is that it was a cash market. And so, you know, I looked at saying, okay, I'm not going to make a lot of money here. There's no Googles here. There's no, there's no staples here. There's no, I've been Pepsi's collection agency for 40 years. There's no Pepsi here. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, there's something going to be here at some point, you know, in the future. So might as well get my foot in early and get my name out there. Um, and, and realize what I, what I realized at the beginning is that it was about education. Like I was not going to, you know, um, probably find, you know, a lot of revenue here. Right. So I had to make an investment of my time and I, and I chose to. And so, you know, at that point I joined the NCIA, I got involved in the banking and financial services committee, started understanding what were the nuances in the marketplace. And at the same time, those larger entities were starting to knock on my door to ask me about, you know, what we could do. And, and what happens is now, you know, as, as credit, you know, there's no collections unless there's credit, right? You have to extend credit in order to have a collection problem. If everything's done on a cash basis, you're collecting at the time of delivery, there's no risk, right? But what we started seeing is that it wasn't a truly cash market. You know, what I started seeing was what I call friendship credit, right? Which means that you're a grower and you're selling to a dispensary. And initially it's all cash. And then all of a sudden the guy's been doing business with you for three months. He's, hey, listen, can I pay you next week for it? And the guy says, sure, no problem. Pay me next week, right? That's friendship credit because you're giving them seven days terms with no background check, no financial analysis, no real what we call credit analysis on the company. And you're doing it based on the fact that you've done business with this person before and you trust them. And then I started seeing where those relationships were, were breaking apart because the guy owed too much money and said, okay, I owe this guy a lot of money. I'm going to go buy it from this guy. And, and that's what happens in the food industry, right? So I do collections for U.S. Foods, for Cisco, for Gordon Food Service, for Performance Food Group, the four largest food service companies. I do their collections or part of their collections. That's what happens to a restaurant. When a restaurant starts having a problem, all right, and they're buying from Cisco, they go and they stop paying Cisco and they go buy from Performance Food Group. And then they stop paying Performance Food Group and they go buy from Gordon. And then they'll go find a local small guy to go to. And they're basically borrowing from Peter to pay Paul all the time to keep their business afloat until they get cut off by the big guys. And then they're focusing on the small guys. Right. And that's what and those collections come to my company. So I started seeing the same thing happening in the cannabis market, you know, is that is that people were starting to grant credit. Right. And then they were getting burned. Right. So that is 2015, 16, 17. That's before the big multi-state operators came into play, yeah. right? That's before the Crescos and those guys out there. Um, and, and then what you started seeing is that guys like Cresco were self-financing. They had raised enough money to basically do their own, be their own bank, and then they were making their own credit decisions, right? And then you started seeing more and more companies extending credit because they had to, right? They had no, they had no wherewithal. The, the biggest challenge, though, is that if you're a small business and you don't have access to banking capital, yeah. right? It's very hard to extend credit, you know, to grow your business. You know, the whole problem in the cannabis market is that you can't grow your business trading one for one. You know, you have to be able to take out a line of credit, have $10 and, and, and you know, have access to money so you could, you could buy 100 with 10 yes. and then pay it off over time, right? And so, so, so it's starting to happen. But once again, I think what you've had, the problem has been is the legalization issue. So in 2016, when I came into this market, I thought Hillary Clinton was going to be president, right? And that was the big sale, right? Is that Hillary Clinton becomes president, right? Legalization happens in that four-year period of time, and, mm -hmm. and that didn't happen, right? Yeah. And, and, and now you've got another administration, right, who's doing some positive things in that regard, 
but it still hasn't happened yet, right? Yeah. And, and so I think what you find now is that the cannabis market hasn't, I mean, it's growing. Believe me, it's growing. But there's also a lot of problems in it, state by state, based on the, the legalities of what's happening. And therefore, you haven't seen the growth that I think there could be, right? And you also have is a lot of companies still not jumping into it because it's illegal, you know? And so therefore, I think that you have um, a situation where I think the market sort of stagnated as far as credit, you know, mm. over the last year or two. Now, the difference is there's been a couple of players that have come into the market that have changed things around a little bit. So I say the primary one is LeafLink. All right. Are you familiar with LeafLink? I am, but maybe not every listener is. So if you could give a little bit. So, yeah, so, so, so LeafLink is, um, you know, LeafLink is a finance company that basically like they act like a factor for the cannabis market. So a factor, traditionally a factor is a, is a, is a financial company that basically um, is going to lay out the money for your goods today because your terms are so long. Mm. Uh, so use the, the, the apparel industry as, a, as an example. The apparel industry is heavily factored, meaning that a, a apparel company has to produce their, their fall line in the summer, right? And they're not going to get paid for four or five months. So a factor um, will go out and basically say, okay, we'll pay the, 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 the bill, right? And then we're going to take our 10%, right? And we'll collect the money for you. So they're, they're going to pay, say, Ralph Lauren their money now, and they'll collect from Macy's in six months from now. And they'll keep their 10% or whatever the number is that they're they're making for handling the transaction. That's what LeafLink is doing in the cannabis market. What they're doing is basically offering growers and, and manufacturers the ability to use their network for credit. So they basically have an online market where they basically take dispensaries and, and retailers and link them to manufacturers, producers, growers. They can buy product through them. And then use LeafLink basically as their factor where LeafLink is collecting the receivable. LeafLink is analyzing the financial risk that they're taking. And then they're getting paid a percentage for, for, for basically fronting the money to the, to the grower and then collecting from the dispensary, you know, you know, it, on, based on credit terms. Um, and, and if you go to their website, it says that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're handling, you know, 10,000 dispensaries, you know, you know, X number of manufacturers. I think they are the largest um, player in the space right now. We, we happen to do their collections. Um, and, and they are, uh, I think they're the game changer when it comes to giving that smaller dispense, smaller operator, the ability to have access to capital, to extend credit and not take on a huge amount of risk when they don't have a bank, you know? Exactly. And so, yeah. So that's been, so that's been, that's definitely been, um, you know, and, and, and I'm surprised more and more companies like that have not popped up. Um, but once again, you got to have a lot of money behind you uh, in order to do that. And I know LeafLink's raised a lot of capital. Um, and they're also guys who come out of that business. You know, the, the guy who's running it comes out of, uh, uh, I believe it was um, uh, student debt loans or small business Okay, finance. so high high expertise in it and yeah, also yeah, yeah. like the high barriers to entry. Yeah, and, and they basically have bit underwriters working for them. Like all their people doing credit analysis all come out of the banks and they're, they're underwriters. And once again, this has popped up because right now there is no traditional banking method for yeah. these businesses. Now, obviously, in certain states, you have banks that are working with cannabis companies in certain ways. You know, a lot of credit unions, especially California, uh, Colorado. But, you know, still, you know. You don't get good terms, though. I mean, like, that's right. just maybe to have they, a checkings account. It's nothing. Yeah, they're going to limit your deposits. They're going to limit your transactions. They're going to limit how much money you could flow through. 
Um, you know, I mean, I mean, these are all issues that are still there. And yes, as each state, you know, next, and I think there's three more or four more states on the on the ballot this uh, this term to to yeah. to, to go. Um, I think as more and more states, but really what has to happen is federal law. I mean, you know, the federal law has to the federal, they have to make it, they have to deschedule the drug and yeah. they have to allow a regular banking for the marketplace for, for it to happen. So, so quite honestly, it's been, you know, six years for me, let's say I don't focus in the cannabis industry as much as I did back before my company was acquired by a private equity firm. Um, because, you know, growth is more at our, my company now growth is the most important, but it, it still is, um, you know, an area um, that, you know, we see there's going to be a need uh, in the future. Um, now, you know, there's one collection agency that just does cannabis, right? They're, they're, not a, they're not a big agency. They just focus in this area um, mm-hmm. where we're a large, you know, national, you know, uh, you know, company, you know, you know, you know, we've got hundreds of employees globally. And, uh, and so, you know, we look at it from a different perspective. Um, and, and, and once again, you know, when I first got into this, you know, it was about educating people about how do you make a credit decision? You know, when do you have a customer that needs to go to a collection agency? You know, how long do you hold on to something before you send it out the door? Um, you know, a lot of times in the cannabis industry, these guys are very, very uh, resistant to sending uh, an account to a collection agency because they think that a collection agency is going to come in and ruin their reputation and act in a way that, you know, is aggressive. And quite honestly, that's not just, that's not how the collection world works. Um, think about it this way. If, if, if you owed me money, and I called you up and screamed and yelled at you. Yeah. Are you going to pay me? Well, that depends no. how afraid I am. That depends how afraid I am. But right, yeah, but, like, but, and but, I, but, 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 but the law, the law of averages say that if you call up somebody and you act aggressive, they're not going to do what you want. You know, in the collection business, you get more bees with honey than vinegar. And yeah. so, a, a good collection agency is a professional negotiator, and our job is to mediate the dispute that is happening between two people: one who has sold the product. And one who's taken a product and not paid for it. And how do you get these two people that can't talk to each other and are not communicating? And this guy's not paying this guy. How do you get the money paid? And you have to come in there in a very professional way, be a negotiator, a mediator, uh, and being level-headed and trying to create a win-win scenario where both of these guys win. This person gets rid of a debt that they're owed. And this person gets paid the money they're owed. And how do you do that and make it amicable? That's what that's what guys who do what I do specialize in is how do you how do you take you know a negative situation and, and turn it into something that's positive uh, for both entities and and everybody at the end of the day is satisfied. Um, because at the end of the day, why is it that businesses just end up in a situation where they need the credit? They're like they need a credit agency. Is it because collection, of the, a collection, a agency. collection agency? Yes. Yeah. Is it because of the fact that they just didn't know how to run their business in the first place? They started making these poor decisions. Like what? What have you seen with all this history? Like the patterns that have emerged. Well, really, what happens is that you know most business operators, you know, are not. Um, you know, they don't understand the debtor-creditor relationship as well as they should. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when somebody owes you money, right, they're, they're referred to in my mind as a debtor, right? Now, now take in mind, there's, there's two ways you got to look at your customer. If, if you have a customer who owes you money, but they're communicating with you, they're talking to you, they're paying down part of their balance, they're buying more product, that's not a problem, right? That is, typically people don't pay their bills for three reasons. Number one, they don't want to. Right. They just don't want to pay you. Number two, they financially can't 
Or number three, they have a valid reason because there was something wrong in the transaction. Like that's mm-hmm. three reasons that people don't pay, right? And if you think about it, most people who owe money, right? They owe 15 people money, but they only have the money to pay 10. So who are they going to pay, right? And then they prioritize who they owe money to and then determine, okay, I got to pay the electric, I got to pay the phone, I got to pay the heat, all right? And then I got to pay my primary suppliers. If you sold a product to somebody that's an ancillary product they don't need all the time, well, then you got to understand the mindset of the person who you're trying to get paid from and how they run their business, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the reason people need us is because the communication stops, right? And that's really what it's all about. Like when your customer stops communicating with you, then that means that they don't want to deal with you, right? And what we say to most people, you know, in the cannabis industry, I normally say 45 to 60 days is like the time frame. Like if someone hasn't spoken to you in 45 to 60 days, they're not replying, they're not not communicating, they're not making offers, right, to pay, you know, they don't want to do business with you anymore. You got a problem. And as I say, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Most business owners are insane because they don't want to pay a fee to an agency, you know, to collect their money. And they also think that they turn it over and may in the cannabis market, give them a bad reputation. But what it does show you is that you're not taking, you know, you're not letting someone just take you down the line and, and tell you anything they want. You know, you're holding them accountable. And when people, when, when people in a marketplace realize that a vendor can be walked all over and they're not going to do anything about it, then other people are going to walk all over them. If they know that you run a tight ship, we're going to pay you. We're going to send you our product, right? We're going to give you a good price for it. We're going to deliver it in good order. And then we expect to be paid in terms based on the deal that you have signed off on, which says that I'm going to give you this. And in two weeks, you're going to pay me this. And if you don't, I need to have a good reason, right? If they don't give a good reason, then you have to understand that there's a line in the sand for everybody. Same way at my company, when we collect money, Right. We have two processes. We have an internal process and a legal process. My collector at my company cannot hold a file for more than 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. Unless there's a payment plan going on. Like they just can't hold it and wait and hopefully that's going to get paid at some point. Like at 90 days, if they're not paid, it's either closed out or it's moved to an attorney and the store, right? Because we have to have a line in the sand to run our business efficiently. Yeah. You know, we, we can't just let everything sit there and fester and wait because someone says, oh yeah, I'm going to pay you hopefully sometime in the future. You know, um, so, so, so really back to your question, you know, what, why do they need us? What they have to do is look at their customer and say, okay, how long does this company owe me money for? Are they communicating and are they still looking to buy? If the answers to all those three questions are no, you need me. Yeah. And then typically is it 90 days that you think like if AR is aged past 90, that's when you need to start following up or, but you also mentioned you haven't even talked to somebody for 45 days. You know, what is, I guess, what's normal in CPG, what's normal in cannabis, and what do you wish? I would say, so everything's based on your credit terms, all right? Yes. So, so, so your term, so typically what they say in collections, right, it's the third, it's, we, we do it by aging buckets, right? So you have, you have your current bucket, 0 to 30, 30, 60, 60 to 90, all right? So if you look at those buckets on 30-day terms, if you're, say, the food service industry, which operates on 7-day and 14-day terms... Then, then it may be shorter period of time because it's based on the terms, right? So you can look at the terms. That's that's a I'll call that a, a, a an aging bucket. So if your terms are seven days, your aging buckets are zero to seven, seven to fourteen, fourteen to twenty-one, twenty-one to twenty-eight. So it may be by the twenty-eighth day, right? If they haven't paid you on seven-day terms, which means that they're three three aging cycles down, 
then that's your 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 uh, you know your line, right? And, and and I will tell you that my food service clients typically place accounts earlier than some mm-hmm. other accounts because once again they work on different terms. Um, and the, the reason the terms are like that is because they have perishable products, and so perishable okay. products you know shorter terms. Cannabis is like that in a way, right? So a lot of times cannabis operators are like that. But if you're on 30 day terms, mm-hmm. right, then it may be 90 days. In traditional trade credit, like corporate America, most mm-hmm. terms are 210 net 30, right? That's the average terms for a, a typical, you know, B2B transaction. So normally we use 90 days as the, as the thing. If your customer, you get to 90 days past due. Now, remember, 90 days past due really means 120 days because you got the current the bucket. 30 days. Mm-hmm. The current bucket, which is zero, which is current. That's, that's, that's you know, the, that's the, the, the credit terms, which is 30 days. And then it's zero to 30 past due. 30 to 60 past due, 60 to 90 past due, which is really 120 days, right? So um, the rule of thumb is the um, the quicker you get it to the agency, right, the better chance they have to collect. The older it is, the older the debt is, the harder it is to collect. You know, yeah. there's, you know I think in one of the articles I may have sent you, there's a, a table that I provide that was um, put together by the Commercial Law League of America uh, years ago that shows the probability of collecting debt at 90 days, 120 days, 180 days. And, and once again, as you go out further, you know, the probability collection just goes down. Okay. I have to look at that one because I loved your articles. I mean, I think that it's it's pretty shocking what can happen if a business just doesn't even set it up right from the very beginning. And one of the articles, the white papers that I really liked was you talking about like, well, what can a business actually do from the get-go? Yes, I love the credit application, which is to me part of your customer onboarding process yes, and yes. your due diligence on anybody that you would work with. I think you made such a valid point about like the friend credit and especially in the 2015s to the, you know, 2019 really. Like that was like I was in California for the very beginning of that part. And it's just, it was the Wild West. And I think there was this part of, oh, well, culture, like I don't want to offend somebody and all of that. But that stuff puts you out of business. And listen, listen my, my first conversation I ever had yeah. in this industry was with Steve D'Angelo. And, and, and you know, um, so my, my I got into the market to a friend of mine who was involved um, with the Grateful Dead and wound up becoming the president of running High Times for a year. And he's the one who sort of got me involved in the industry. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to, to my first MJ Biz show. I got to meet Steve D'Angelo, like, you know, like, like meeting Jerry Garcia before I yes. went to see the Grateful Dead. You know, and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm sitting down. I, I went and watched him online with Sanjay Gupta, the whole thing. And I sat down with him and I said, I remember at the Cosmopolitan Hotel and I sat down and I said, what do you think about credit in the cannabis market? And he said, it has to be there for the market to grow. And I said, okay, good. You know, and 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 became friends with his brother, Andrew, and started, you know, under, those guys, he helped Andrew sort of help me understand the marketplace really well. We we did some collections for Harborside. And, um, you know, the, they, the guys who know this market understand that capital is the critical thing. But here's the thing for a business. Protection is important. I believe every business, if you have a customer comes to you, whether they want credit or not, they should be filling out a credit application, all right? Which means that you get certain information about them that you have put into your systems, right? Yes. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the credit bureaus, Dun & Bradstreet, Experian, Credit Safe, they're, they're, they're gathering more data on cannabis-related businesses. So you can go through that path and, and pull credit reports on these companies. I mean, a lot of data is very important um, to look at 
when you're making a decision, if you're going to give credit to somebody, number one, tax information, like are they in compliance with, with the taxes? Do they have, ta- do they have state or federal taxings filed against them? Are they licensed in the state in which they're operating? Licensing data is very, very important. If you extend credit to somebody who's not licensed, you know, think about that. Right? That's like a whole like state compliance issue. You're selling, it's like right. commercial cannabis activity like does, violations. Right. Right. Does the person have a, a license, you know, to do business? Because if you sell to an unlicensed operator, then you're breaking the law. So, yeah. so, so these are all things that I think come into play. And I wrote an article uh, for, I think, MJ Beers or one of the magazines back way back when um, about the credit application, how important yeah. it is to have a credit application. It is basically a contract that protects you. And what a lot of companies do, most of my clients, is there's a provision in the credit application that says that if they need to go to an outside source like me, right? That that company is going to pay my fee, right? And that protects them. So a lot of people don't want to use a collection agency because they don't want to pay the fee. But guess what? If your documentation is in order, right? We're going to, if they owe you a thousand dollars, we're going to collect $1,250, right? And, and, and then I take my 250, you get back your thousand, you have no cost to collection, right? There was no cost to you. Everything is based on how your credit application is set up. And so we think all credit applications should have the ability for you to collect collection fees and interest because that then entitles you to add 35% onto your invoice and then go after them for 35% more. It makes sense. It makes sense. In my engagement letters, I always have an interest clause because it's like, why would you, if somebody's paying late, yeah, you should, should be, be it, compensated it, it, for that. Right. And once again, if you have to retain a third party, then yeah. you should be, you shouldn't have to pay for that third party to go after and collect the money. So, so one of the things I early on, I realized that most Cannabis companies don't issue credit applications. Why? Why? Oh, they won't fill it out. Why? Because my competitor is not asking them to. So mm-hmm. that's a that's an industry thing. That this just has to have a it's a cultural thing that has to change. If you open up a restaurant and you reach out to Cisco and you want to start buying, the first thing you're going to do is they're going to send you an electronic credit application to fill out, and then they're going to go out and make a decision. Okay, we're going to give you X amount of credit, and here's what the terms are, right? And before they do business with you, and and. Yeah. and the cannabis industry is just not there yet, but it, but that's where it needs to go. It needs to go there. But also, I mean, you had an exit, right? If you're trying to position your business for an exit, having these controls are some of the first things that an investor would look for, like just having a sound financial environment. Yeah. So I think it's like a, it's a double win there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, I think that is, you know, the, the key thing, you know, um, hold on, I'm just trying to see what, believe it or not, most businesses who shut down don't yeah. file for bankruptcy. Right, because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Right, like we do collections against hundreds of thousands of companies that are what we call defunct corporations, which means that they're no longer registered with the Secretary of State. There's no entity to go after, but they did not close their businesses through filing bankruptcy because there's a cost with bankruptcy, and a lot of companies that are at that point don't have the money to yeah. pay the cost to file a Chapter 11 or a Chapter 7. So they just shut their businesses down and hope, hope that they haven't signed any personal guarantees. That would, uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, give the credit the creditors the ability to go after them personally. Wow. Okay. So if somebody, I'm hoping that a lot of listeners aren't in this position where they've got these huge AR balances that are, you know, on the balance sheet. But if somebody is like, what is the, what are the steps from yes, contacting an agency, but like the practical steps that's like an entity can do, the team can do to start getting themselves out of this into a more favorable cash flow position. Number one is that when you bring on a customer, you need to let them know what the expectations are. And if the expectations aren't met, this is what's going to happen. 
Now, when you have a customer that gets to that point, number one is that you should have a collection process, which means that there should be a certain steps that if a customer comes to the link, here's what we're going to do. On day one, we're going to send them out an email. On day five, we're going to make a phone call. On day 10, we're going to send out an email. On day, and you have, a, you have a sequence of events that can happen where that last event is what we call final demand letter, which means saying that we've exhausted all of our efforts to try to get you to pay your past due balance. And if we do not receive payment within seven business days, we're going to have to refer your uh, your, your, your account to a, to a collection agency where you will be listed with the credit bureaus and all efforts will be taken to collect uh, on our behalf. Um, you know, have a good, strong final demand and then live up to it. If they don't pay in the seven days, if you don't send it to the collection agency, they know that your words don't mean anything. So then send it to a collection agency, um, you know, and, and, and then choosing a collection agency, just make sure you choose a reputable one. I would normally say um, only choose an agency that is certified by the Commercial Collections Agencies of America. That's the leading trade association for collection agencies. Uh, we're a founding member of it. Um, and, uh, and that, that requires all would be licensed, bonded, insured in all states, um, you know, have all the certifications that are necessary. Um, but you know, it, it, if your customer is severely delinquent, you know, um, the, the worst thing you can do is nothing because, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result. And when it comes to collections, that is the biggest problem that most business operators have. You know, when a, when a small business has a debt, it's their own personal money. When a large corporation has a debt, it's not the individual's money who's placing it. And I understand that's why people are so hesitant to, to, to want to pay a fee. But would you rather have 75% of something or zero of, of, of you know, zero nothing, you know? And, and that's how, I, that's typically how I look at it. I mean, I've been, I've been doing credit collections my entire business career and, you know, companies who um, set themselves up properly have the least amount of problems. Yeah. Sam, thank you. This was so amazing. How can people find you before you hop? Uh, I am, uh, well, if you're in Charleston, South Carolina, come visit. Um, so so AG, my company, AG Adjustments, you know, our corporate headquarters are in New York. Um, we've got, we've got call center in New York and Arizona, and then we've got operation over in Romania. Um, I can be reached on the internet, uh, www.agaltv.com is my company's website address. AG Adjustments is the name of the company. Uh, my personal email is samf at agaltv.com. Um, LinkedIn, you type in Sam Fensterstock on, uh, on Google, you can find me pretty easily. Cool. I'll put some in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing. Right. Simone, anytime in the future, if you want to you know, yes. a conversation or anything, I'd be happy to, to discuss and share my expertise. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, leave us a five-star review. Make sure that you share this episode on your social media and tag us in the Instagram stories. You can find us wherever you go on social media. Just look up Cannabis Business Minds. Have an idea for the show or something that you want to talk about? Shoot us an email at podcast at cannabisbusinessminds.com.